What's up, church planners and church planning enthusiasts? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planner in arms, Matt Hess. What's up, Matt? What's going on, Jared Huntley? Not a lot. You guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planners for the everyday church planner. So whether you are a lead church planter, you're on a church planning team, or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. We've got a special guest on today. Uh, We've got Ty. Ty, I already forgot. Ty, pronounce your last name for me, brother. (laughs) Mitsampan. Mitsampan. Ty Mitsampan. So Ty is a a friend of Matt's, and you guys went to seminary together, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What seminary? Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary. Why'd you say it with pauses like that? Because it's so long, bro. <laughs> okay. It's, yeah, it's, so, it's so long, bro. We're, we're the seminary when you look up conservative in the dictionary. We'll be there. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, we'll be there, won't we, Ty? Okay. There's a picture of us there. There's yeah. a picture of you yeah. right in Memphis area, right? That's right. Right. Well, Ty, Ty uh, I want to go ahead and just ask you maybe to tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, where you are uh, right now, and, and kind of how God's brought you to, to do what you're doing currently in ministry. Yeah, yeah. So I currently live uh, right outside of Nashville uh, in Tennessee and um, for about 15 years. But so this is sort of a coming back home for me. I, I moved back just last summer um, where and, and now I'm, I'm currently pastoring uh, International Community Church, which is a, uh, a three year old church plant that um, uh, is ministering to uh, to refugees in the Middle Tennessee area. And prior to to that, I was in Memphis for about 10 years, where uh, I served as a church planner and a, and a pastor, also working with the refugee community awesome. there. Awesome. So how, how many uh, churches have you planted, Ty? Oh, just one. Okay. Um, just just the one in Memphis. This one I, I didn't plant, but I, I came on uh, after it, it it was already planted. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. Well, how, how did you wind up passionate about reaching refugees and immigrants? Yeah, really. It's uh, it's it's my story. It's it's a part of um, uh, kind of a full circle story that uh, mm. got in, in in my own life. Uh, my family came to the U.S. as uh, refugees back in uh, 1986, so uh, a little over 30 years ago. Um, we're from the country of Laos uh, in Southeast Asia, and uh, back in the uh, late 70s, there was this mass exodus of, uh, of Laotian people from the country uh, after the aftermath of the, uh, the Vietnam conflict. Um, Laos was uh, Laos is in between Thailand and Vietnam, and uh, and so we we were sort of the the collateral damage of of the war uh, of the Vietnam War, um, and uh, there wasn't supposed to be any any military activity, any fighting going on in Laos, uh, but that proved to not be the case, and so there was a lot of. Uh, uh, Things going on in the Lao countryside um, that was was secret at that time. It's not so secret now. You can just Google uh, "secret war in Laos" mm-hmm. and uh, mm. you can find out about the what the CIA was doing there yeah. um, and and sort of the backdoor things they were doing with the uh, with with the hill tribes and the ethnic minority groups. Um, and so they were trying to push back uh, the uh, the influence of communism uh, in Southeast Asia and, and Laos was sort of that, that, that battleground. And so uh, Laos became one of the most bombed countries in, in all of the uh, war campaigns. And today there are a lot of undetonated bombs all throughout the, uh, the countryside. And so 
when the bombing raids were, were happening, when, when that was going on, that was uh, right when my dad was coming of age and uh, and joined the, the the military. And so uh, my dad fought with the, the the Lao government alongside with the the U.S. that wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, <laughs> And alongside them to uh, to to fight against the communist government, and um, and so after years of, of fighting, um, the U.S. pulled out in '75, and after that, um, the country fell to uh, to the communist regime, and my father uh, became an instant enemy of the state. And uh, at first, was promised that those who fought against the communists would uh, would would you know, sort of not be, be brought in the fold and, you know, the foreigners are gone and let's rebuild Laos and uh, we forgive you. Let's let's all just, you know, just kind of re- rebuild our country. So we want to send you to get reeducated uh, we, <laughs> to reeducate you. And, and we want you to learn the, uh, the the communist way. So my dad was told that he would he would be sent to um, a three month um, reeducation camp. <laughs> And he was sent to um, another province of Laos in the jungles. And uh, so three months turns into a seven-year labor camp. And so – and this was common at that time. A lot of men – uh, were taken away from their from their families. Um, some to this day, there's you know their whereabouts are not known. They're, they're assumed dead, and, wow. and so a lot of families were separated. And, and so at the time, um, my mom uh, had seven kids, and uh, so she immediately became a, a single mom and became poor in an already poor country. And so. Uh, we were sent to, again, a different uh, part of Laos that we weren't familiar with, and my dad was in the labor camp. Uh, fortunately, he was able to gain the, the 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 trust of his captors, and he became sort of a courier. Um, so every every month or two, he was sent into the, the closest uh, town to gather supplies and, and that kind of thing. And so um, that's how he was able to visit with my mom every few months or so. Um, and so I was born during this period. I was um, I was born during the seven year period while my dad was going back and forth in, in labor camp. And so the country began to deteriorate even worse, and uh, a lot of people began to see that uh, this wasn't the future that they were promised. Um, I mean, were starving, and so people began to to flee and leave. And so um, yeah, so my dad escaped on, on one of his trips into town, he decided that it was time to go. And so um, by this time, we had a, a family of nine. Uh, my mom had lost three kids uh, during during the process just to disease and not having access to health care and that kind of thing. So three of my older siblings had died during this time. And, mm-hmm. and uh, like I said, I was born during this time. And so we uh, paid a, a fisherman to hide us in a boat and uh, cross us over into a, uh, uh, into Thailand um, on, on cross over the the Mekong River and uh, once we once we escaped and landed uh, we trekked for about a day and uh, found our way to the refugee camp uh, where we lived for about two years so there uh, we decided that um, our best course of action was um, was to apply to be resettled in, in in a new country in a third country, because my dad had fought in the army. Uh, he had um, he had priority, and so um, our family was was able to come and resettle. And so from the jungles of Laos to uh, Nashville, Tennessee, man. Wow. So that's wow. <laughs> and, and, and Ty, how old were you when uh, your family fled Laos? Yeah, so I was uh, just over a year. 
Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, and so by the time we came uh, to the U.S. September tenth, nineteen eighty six, I had just turned four years old. Okay. Wow. Okay. Wow. Wow. Man, that's incredible. That's an incredible story. Man, Todd, I, I, I just so I I, th- I hear your story, man. Every time I hear it, I just man, I praise God because of His sovereignty and what He does. And now, now, what are you doing? Now you're serving people that man they need hope right they need the hope of not just a new nation but they need the hope of jesus and i I always just find it so powerful man i I just i remember back in seminary us talking one day over lunch and you talking about what america meant to you as uh as an immigrant and and coming in as a refugee and all those kinds Mm -hmm. of things but we use this we say this all the time now listen I served in the Marine Corps. Jared served in the Army. You know, I served in Iraq where Jared was in, in, in some of that conflict. And, and so I, I love America and all those things. But ultimately, we're kingdoms of the citizen of God. Right. Yep. And so how do you how do you parse some of that? Because I know you've got to have a strong affinity towards a nation that has given you so many opportunities. But at the same time, as these immigrant refugees come in, man, how do you how do you help them wrestle through that tension of having pride? Because you have pride as a Laotian, of course, but you also have that newfound pride in Christ. So how do you wrestle through some of that tensions with people you serve with? So, so help me to understand your 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 question yeah. uh, a, a little bit more, so that I can better understand, uh, better answer that. Yeah. So I think what I'm saying is, as people come in, as refugees come in, and they're like, "Man, I, I have new opportunities. I have yeah. I have new opportunities to to be free here and do those kinds of things." But ultimately, we want them to become kingdom citizens, right? Yeah. And so how do you help them understand that their their value or what they're really looking for is not necessarily in being a citizen of America. It's about being a citizen for the kingdom of God and helping elevate that. Does that make more yeah. sense? Yeah. So I think so. Yeah. I think um, coming as, as, as an immigrant um, and learning to navigate, like you have to deal with issues of, of identity. Yes. And, and, and issues of you know nationality and that kind of thing and and being able to um uh being able to kind of walk in between yeah. uh, and, and and navigate uh gives us a sense of um on the one hand a sense of, of security but then on the other hand this sense of like you know my final home is 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 not in this place yeah. and that I don't, you know, my like, like the, my nation and my nationality and my culture, because it's it's be, it's become fluid, and we've had to, you know, kind of walk in two different uh, different ones. It's um, it does give us this sense, you know, as we are introduced to Christ and we know that our, our final citizenship is in heaven. Mm-hmm. I think we're able to grasp that a little bit more um, because you know we know that um, you know even though again as, as you said. I have pride in being in being Laotian. Um, I'm so thankful and uh, for for the the U.S. and and all that it's it's given me. But at the same time, you know, understanding that um, you know that those things can be taken away from me, right? Um, Absolutely, man. And the reason why I ask that question, Ty, because you're the best person to answer that. Because what Jared and I experience here, and some of the other people, I mean, you know, Toronto. You've been up here several times. It's extremely diverse, right? And when these immigrants come in, and especially refugees, and they come in, we have to work hard to help them see that Canada is not the the prize. 
yeah. Canada, yeah. Canada is not the win. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, we're thankful that, that, uh, we have a nation that gives them opportunities uh, that they wouldn't have elsewhere. Um, but ultimately the kingdom of God is the goal. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, that's a message that we, um, we we share with with people as well. I mean, we just from our from our own from our own story. I tell people all the time that um, you know we came to the U.S. looking for you know hope and and uh, and success and you know the the is is you know is, is so much better and is is much more of an eternal treasure um, than than the American dream yeah. and. Uh, and, and we, we, I mean, we've taken advantage, you know, advantage of, of the American dream for sure. You know, we, yeah. we've all gone to school and got educated and got good jobs and, and, and all of that. But that ultimately, you know, that's not what lasts. And, and so that's that's a part of our, our story. Everyone in my family, when especially when we're working with new families and we say, hey, you're here in the, in the U.S., consider that a blessing. Take advantage of every opportunity. But there's more. You know, there, there, there's more that, that we believe that God has brought you here for, and, and we're able to speak into that, you know. Yeah, and kind of playing off that, Ty, I think that's uh, something that I'm, I'm really interested to talk to you about is, you know, I, there's obviously a bigger purpose for why we are seeing such a mass uh, migration yeah, right now, right. just globally. Uh, you know, we talk about globalization a lot. Uh, that's that's a very real uh, phenomenon that we're seeing today. You know, with the internet and just with the way that travel is advanced now, uh, really uh, the dividing lines between cultures are are, are narrowing. Right, <clears throat> it's becoming a lot easier to do cross cultural ministry. And God yep. is <clears throat> right now; He's bringing the nations to yeah. the West. And um, like uh, Matt was referring to a story um, that that we've uh, had just uh, over the past month. Uh, there's a I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get too much into detail just for His own. Uh, security, but we got a, a young man who uh, we met about a month ago who's from a country in the Middle East. And mm-hmm. uh, he came over here and uh, he was actually speaking uh, French. And one of our church members, we so we equip every single one of our church members to share the gospel. Every single person in our church, we're like, hey, you can make disciples, you share the gospel. And she overheard him speaking French and she happens to speak French as well. And she knew it wasn't Canadian French, she knew it was European French. Um, mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> turns out he's from, you know, from North Africa. And so he, she actually heard him saying, yeah, I just moved here and I'm lonely in French. And so she engages him in conversations of sharing the gospel. He ends up coming to church and we've been walking with him. Um, and he's a, he's a, a Muslim. Uh, and uh, two weeks ago, he gave his life to Christ. Yeah. Uh, just after walking with us for a couple of weeks, uh, he ended up giving his life to Christ. And uh, man, he's like transforming before our very <laughs> eyes. Like it's incredible, uh, you know, what God's doing. It's just really cool to see uh, what God's doing in that situation. But that's that's possible because God is bringing the nations to us. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about is is typically when we think of cross-cultural missions, we think of going over there. Yeah. But now, That's right. cross-cultural missions is happening right in our back door, backyard. So what's the difference between uh, doing cross-cultural ministry here as opposed to over there? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, this, this phenomenon that we're seeing with the migration of peoples is um, uh, we're also seeing a, a, a discipline of study called diaspora missiology, yeah. which 
that's you know kind of the the, the intersection of migration and, uh, and 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 missions. And so we're we're seeing this happening. And so I think it's really exciting to hear stories like these. I mean, and you know, I, I hear stories like like this just throughout you know North America as as we're seeing this uh, this become a reality. Yeah. As as you mentioned, that missions is is becoming borderless um, and. And we're having more access to, um, to 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 people now than than ever because of globalization. Um, I would say, in, in, in answer to to your question, um, one uh, studies have shown that uh, people um, in diaspora are more uh, open to new ideas. Yeah, uh, that's right. And 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 that's because everything is is in flux. You know, you you you're no longer you don't, you no longer have the 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 stability of of your culture, your homeland. Uh, whether you came as a refugee or as an immigrant, there's this there's this uprooting, um, and so your your mindset uh, changes a bit. You you you're thinking, okay, I'm in I'm in this this new place now, so there are new ideas I'm being exposed to, and so I've got to be a little bit more adaptable. Whereas in your in your home country, or you know, if a missionary goes overseas to to a particular country that is you know overwhelmingly you know Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist, or whatever. Um, it's easier for them to to just kind of to, to stay in that mindset because everybody else is that way, mm-hmm. and they've never had to, you know, they've never had to think about these new ideas or a new worldview. Uh, whereas an immigrant, a refugee who comes to to Canada to the U.S., um, they're, they're thrust into a, a different worldview. Yeah. So they're to wrestle with things they didn't have to wrestle with before. Um, they're exposed to, uh, in our case, they're exposed to Christianity in a way that they haven't been before in their home country. And oftentimes what they find is that it's not, um, it's not what they have always been told by, you know, by the religious leader. I had a conversation with a, with a man from uh, um, Somalia. Um, this is about a year ago, he had just arrived uh, in the U.S. about two weeks, and we were out at a park just kind of meeting people, sharing the gospel, and, and sat down and had a conversation with this man, Old, older guy, el- elderly guy. We started talking, and, and one a question I asked him, I said, you know, since coming to, to the U.S., what's been the most surprising thing? And that's a, sort of just a question I, I, I used to, try, you know, try to get a conversation going. Yeah. And he sort of looked out, and he, he pondered, and he, he said, well, Christians hate hate Muslims. That that you know that we weren't going to be welcomed. And he said, but since we, since we stepped foot on uh, on you know in, in this country, the very people that have helped us in every step of the way have been Christians or Christian organizations. And uh, and it just really sort of blew his mind, you know, and it's, and, and it, it broke the mold of what he thought. And so um, now on the flip side of that, um, some of his fears could be realized by certain experiences that. Yeah. that and that's why it's so important for us, right? So important for us to welcome and love and mm. um, and really demonstrate the love of Christ. But so that that that's that's one thing is that they you know that they are now being exposed to um, to to a worldview, uh, to a different way of thinking, and so they're more um, uh, likely to um, uh, to explore. Man, Todd, that's awesome, bro. Like, so one thing that and, and yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You had a little bit of a break up there, so I thought you're not talking. <laughs> you, you gotta. Oh, no, I, I was sort of gonna go into you know just other other differences between um, absolutely absolutely do that, bro. Okay, yeah, that and 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 obviously it's just um, uh, accessibility, right? Mm. That that 
we have accessibility to to them. They have accessibility to to us. Um, and uh, and so just as you, the story that you shared um, illustrated, mm-hmm. you know, how, how often do we get to have a conversation with somebody from, uh, you know, from North Africa and do it in a way that is relatively uh, safe and, you know, yeah. there's, there's no laws against against it here. Mm-hmm. There's no law that says you, 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 uh, you can't have somebody over your house for dinner, you know, mm-hmm. um, you can't invite them over to the park or whatever. And so, I mean, just the accessibility that we have is, is incredible. And what he said, you know, to, to your friend that he's lonely, that is something we hear over yes. and over and over. That people are like, we, we've met people who said, I've been here five years and I've never been invited into mm, some, you know, an American home. Or, and, 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 and so I think we just miss so many opportunities because of fear and because of yeah. uh, ignorance and, you know, and, and so the, the opportunities are, are just abundant. Yeah. Man, Ty, you, you said a word just now that just resonated in my heart and you said ignorance. And mm-hmm. now... You know, we're from, Jared's from Texas. I grew up in Oklahoma. We moved to, to Toronto from Memphis. And I, I'm not about to paint with this broad brush saying everybody's ignorant in the South. But my, yeah. my, my mother always said there's a difference between ignorance and stupidity. Ignorant, mm-hmm. Ignorance is just not knowing. Stu- mm-hmm. Stupidity is knowing and still doing the stupid thing. And, and so... When when we see you're in Smyrna, Tennessee, and I want our I want our listeners to hear this because you know sometimes when we t- tell stories of like you know people are like well yeah Toronto's the most diverse city in the world of course you're meeting people you know from the Middle East and from India and Japan or whatever it might be um, but but I've been through Smyrna, Tennessee and it's not Toronto but you're no. <laughs> you're, you're in the South man and and I I just that's why we want to have you on this this uh, podcast today because I think what's so powerful for our listeners that are in like the Alabamas or the West Texases or whatever it might be. Can you just speak into that listener and say, hey, listen, I'm not in this big rolling metropolitan city. I'm I'm an immigrant in Smyrna, Tennessee. And talk to them about your what God's doing, man, and how he's bringing these people into you. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, outside of the, the, the large metropolitan areas like the Torontos, the, the New York cities, the L.A., San Francisco, um, the South is the largest growing right. uh, uh, immigrant population. And so if you look at the top 10 states that have the fastest growing immigrant populations, the majority of them are in the South. Yep. And part of that is the, the resettlement agencies that, that exist there. Part of that is this cost of living and, 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 and that kind of thing. But you're seeing this, this, this growth. So, for example, in Middle Tennessee – um, which is, you know, kind of Nashville, Smyrna, Murphy's Bros. It's kind of all yeah. clumped up there. Um, Middle Tennessee has has the largest uh, Kurdish population outside of Iraq. Yeah. Okay. And so, <laughs> like, who would think that, right? That's nuts, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, I remember growing up because I grew up here, and uh, I mean, I had so many Kurdish friends, yeah. you know, and they, we played soccer together, we went to high school together, and when I remember when. Um, when when I left Middle Tennessee and, and was in other places and some people had never heard of the Kurdish people and I was just like, you know, what do you mean? You know, I, I grew up with with Kurdish people everywhere and <laughs> and so and and that that is con- is continuing to to grow mm. here in, uh, in in Middle Tennessee and we're seeing that in in, in Atlanta, yes. uh, we're seeing that in um, North Carolina, um, you know, and 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 so. Um, a lot, yeah, like like you said, a lot of people don't think of the South as 
as places where there's a large immigrant populations, but but it's there, it's growing. Ty, how much is back to the ignorance thing? How much how much is that? Is there a real a, a real story of people who are just like I don't want to talk to Muslims, I don't want to talk to Kurds, I don't want to talk to Kurdish, I don't want to talk to to Laotians, I don't want to talk to these people because they're not like me, they don't look like me, they don't have the same background as me. And then how much of that is fabricated potentially? If you can speak into a little bit of that, what has been your experience? I mean, you're a first, you're an, you're an immigrant, you're a refugee. What what has been some of your experiences growing up? And then how would you say we tear down some of those walls? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, and, and again, you know, at the risk of kind of painting a broad, broad stroke, um, I, I would say that, it, you know, in my experience, generally, it's been a uh, just really an ignorance and, and using your, your, your definitions, I- ignorance, not necessarily stupidity. Yeah, People just right. have, you know, you know, like, like, and, and so when you are not in um, real relationship yeah. with people that are different from you. You get your information from the media, mm. from other stories, yes. and so you base your worldview of these people on on what's on the news. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes, you know, as, and, and and refugees is is not the most positive light, you know. And so, but you know, in, in the work that that I've that that I've been in. Um, it's been really neat to see people go from zero to to ten, man. To see people who've never had a friend who's unlike them, and and then when they engage in a relationship um, and befriend somebody, and now their their heart is for for immigrants, for refugees. That's that's been that's been the neat thing. Um, and so I think I think oftentimes people base again their fears and their worldviews um, on a lack of experience and. Uh, and um, and a lack of, of uh, significant relationships, a lack of exposure. I have this conversation a lot with with the American Church, you know, who's hey, you know, who say, hey, we're just we're just not around it, or we just don't know people. That's right. Uh, now there there are some, I mean, that that just say, hey, I just don't want anything to do with that. Get out of my country. Um, you know, what are you doing here? That kind of thing. I mean, we certainly had some of those experiences growing up. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, back in the the eighties and, and, and the nineties, I think some of that exists now, and and I think there's a, and I'll be careful with this, but but I think there there's a, a contingency of people that now feel a bit more emboldened um, to uh, to to be open about their their prejudices and and their, their worldviews um, because of the climate that we're in, where it's a little bit more okay to do that. Yeah. Uh, and so we've seen some of that as 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 well, but man, I I, I try to uh, I I try to spend my time with with those people who uh, who are a little bit more open. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. It's, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, what uh, what would you say are some of the unique challenges that you face when reaching immigrants and refugees mm, that uh, maybe a typical church planner or pastor wouldn't expect? Um, I think that. I think going in, you, you've just got to take off your rose-colored glasses um, and, and understand that, yes, all ministry is messy and time-consuming, but especially with um, with refugees and immigrants. Wow, that's and, and so don't don't come in with a savior complex. Hmm. Don't come in as a rescuer. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to swoop, swoop in and we're going to help these poor people and, you know, 
they're very needy and, and so everything's just going to be great um, they're going to appreciate every little thing we do and, and everything's just going to be great um, you know you, you come in and realize that these are people who ordinary people have gone through extraordinary things is, is what I you know we, we use a lot that these are oftentimes people who um, deal with uh, PTSD yeah uh, They've seen the atrocities of war. Yeah. They've lost. They've lost family members. They've and and now they're they're sort of in this this state of trying to survive and trying to thrive. And so uh, the, there are a lot of underlying psychological and emotional issues as, as well as spiritual that I think we need to to have a, a holistic understanding that when when you're when you're engaging with with somebody that that comes from that that you know how do we, how do you address these. Uh, uh, these issues and, and 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 these needs, and so obviously there's the language barriers, um, there's the the cultural uh, worldview barriers and misunderstandings, and we've had plenty of that because a, a lot of my um, church planning uh, with refugees and immigrants have been cross cultural for me. So you know I'm yeah. from I'm from Laos, but we we planted a church among Bhutanese Nepalis, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and I now. So the church I'm at right now is um, uh, people groups from Burma, um, and so I don't speak those languages, and so it's been cross cultural for me. The the only thing that we share is a is a shared refugee experience, and I can speak into that. But I'm still learning culture as well. I'm learning their story, mm-hmm. right? So just lear- learning to listen before you come in with answers, right? Before you come in with this is what refugees need. You know, you mm-hmm. come in. You- you guys need ESL or you need job ready, you know, readiness or you need this, you need that. Just come in and listen, right? Mm-hmm. Come wow. in and, and figure out who the key uh, community leaders are and, and, and just say, okay, what, what do you perceive as, as the, the need for, for your community and how can we come alongside and help that? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times as planners, we, um, we have plans, you know, we feel like we, we've got to come in and we've got a five-year plan and here's our – Here's our, our, our plan for for evangelism and this and this and that, and then we forget to listen to people along the way. Man, that's good. Yeah, Ty, you mentioned also. Um, I know we were uh, we we emailed back and forth uh, when you uh, uh, we asked you to come on, and you mentioned taking a holistic approach when it comes to refugee or immigrant yeah. ministry. Uh, what do you what does that look like? Yeah, again, that 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 means that you address. Um, all the needs of, of the of the person. Okay. Um, and so, when when you come in and let's say you be, you befriend a family, you you realize that. Um, you, you, okay, I, I, I'll give an example. So when we yeah. first started with families, we were thinking, hey, I'm just going to go over and we're going to do a Bible story in in their home, and that's that's the extent of what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, but we go in, we do a Bible study afterwards. The lady's like. Hey, um, I haven't done laundry because I can't get to the laundry mat. Like, would you would you be able to take me to you know to the laundry mat? I'm like, okay, wasn't planning on that, but sure, you know. <laughs> or or and then you, you realize their kids are struggling in school, and um, you know, and then you know, and so all these things come in, and 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 again, I know that that's that's ministry in general, but but I think particularly with the refugee and immigrant community, um, you've got to love people from every angle and from every perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you can't just come in and say, well, here, here's here's a track and here's here's a Bible study. Yeah. And if you're not interested in that, then, you know, then I'm not going to do anything else, you know, yeah. but realizing that you're helping um, and coming in 
um, uh, holistically. And, and also, I mean, I, I think the church is doing a better job at, at understanding this, this aspect in, in that you're, you're helping to address the issues of the community as a whole. Um, and so whether that's, again, um, English or whether that's helping people learn how to drive or whether that's advocating, um, you know, on their behalf against unjust, you know, le- uh, legislation or policies. I mean, there's, it's, yeah, so that's mm-hmm. addressing the needs of the whole person, the whole family, and really the whole community. Man, when you talk about, that's so good, Tom. When you talk about holistic, man, I think it's important to find the people who are passionate about this because if you just if you just try to implement a program or a ministry like you you mentioned ESL ESL is so popular uh, especially in the churches where we come from and I, it's great we've heard so many stories but if you just say we're going to start an ESL ministry to reach more Indians or to reach more Latinos or whatever it might be but that might not be what they need that might not be what they're looking for and so yeah. if you just broad sell you got to find the people in your church that are passionate about really listening. I think the listen part, man, the hearing what they need is so important. We know that they need the gospel. And so we infuse the gospel in everything that we do. And, you know, you taking this lady to the laundry, you know, you and Angie, you're, you're, you're sharing the gospel. I'm sure with her, you know, she's getting it every time you're around her. So our our listeners, we're we're not, we're not saying minimize the gospel, always give the gospel, but listening to what they need. This was a huge lesson for me we had to eric and i had to learn this when we first came here you know there's about 25 nations in our church at fellowship pickering and on any given sunday in a conversation if i'm not careful i'll potentially offend somebody and so what you have to do is really listen and and learn the cultures that you're engaging because Mm -hmm. whether we know it or not all of us we, we bring presuppositions into every conversation and in every life and if i say you know i'm i'm an anglo male coming from memphis tennessee if i say like i don't have any presuppositions well i'm fooling myself everybody does and so you have to listen to what they need. You have to listen to what, what's really going on in their lives. You, you offend me every time you talk about <laughs> Oklahoma, Matt. Well, that's my, because my Texan culture is offended. That's because you chair for a mediocre football team. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, so Ty, um, talk, to, talk, talk to maybe some planters or just people uh, who are listening to the podcast right now. And I know that I think a lot of people, they find themselves in a situation where, you know, it might just be because, again, like we said, ignorance earlier, or they haven't really thought through this issue and they go, well, I'd like to reach, uh, you know, out to more people from other cultures. Uh, but when I look around me, you know, I don't really know where immigrants and refugees live. I don't even know how to get started. Yeah, uh, what are good. some steps that churches can take and that even individual believers can take to start uh, finding uh, out where uh, immigrants and refugees are living and how they can begin to minister to them? Yeah, so um, I think the, the, the first thing is um, – to to discover God's heart for for, uh, for the nations, right? And and so they can just at a heart level, because um, you you don't want to approach um, refugee or, or, or immigrant ministry just from a sociological standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. It's just wow, the nations are here, so let's uh, you know, and we're becoming more diverse, so let's let's reach out to them. It's a this is God's heart, right? Like God loves these. People. And, and, and I've got to I've got to 
to also have God's heart for, for the nations. Because when you let that drive you, right, then then that's going to um, go a long way in, in, in sustaining, um, you know, whatever it is that God's going to call you, call you to do. So um, I know that that's it's sort of a given, but but we, we need to to always go back to to God's heart. Um, and burden for, for, for the nations. And then second, just on a very practical level, would be just to look for uh, just gathering places, right? So um, restaurants. Um, is there is there an Indian restaurant, you know, in town that there are Indians in your community? Or is there um, are there any uh, uh, religious places like mosques or temples or things like that? And so just kind of rediscovering your, your, your city um, and your area um, you know, gas stations, uh, you know, just, just different places for the Vietnamese nail shops. Okay. I mean, these are all stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so there, the, there's this phase of, of, um, of rediscovering your area in your city. And I think people will be surprised yeah. how, uh, how much more diverse it is than, than they, uh, than they've imagined. And so mm-hmm. Matt, you could appreciate this cause you know, you, you know, the Memphis area, yeah. uh, like for example, in, in South Haven, right? North, North Mississippi. Yeah. It's the second largest West African community outside of New York city. Wow. Wow. Okay. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the, the the West African people years ago that, that there was this this huge community out there, and uh, and we started communicating with people in New York City who were reaching uh, Fulani's there, and, and discovered that outside of New York City, it's it's right there, and you know, and like you'd never think that mm-hmm. North Mississippi, right? And so yeah, there pockets and areas, even in small towns, even in places where we feel like you know it, uh, it doesn't exist, um, and and also thinking. Through um, you know internationals from not just a uh, refugee or, or or what we would truly, traditionally think of, of immigrants, but there's international students there. There are people who you know like people who, who come here for work. Um, you know, and I'm sure in, in Toronto, you know, um, just just uh, people moving to, to Toronto for, for work and things like that that may, may not fit the category of, of refugees. And so, that you know, that's why I tend to use the term internationals. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and and if you've got a, a large university in your in your town, your city, there's likelihood that there are international students there, right? Yeah, and so yeah. just thinking more broadly um, in terms of, of the nations. Well, Ty, um, hey, man, we're running out of time, but what I wanted to do is kind of uh, finish up by just asking you, um, what are a couple of things that you want our listeners to maybe come away with, a couple of things that you'd really like them to know um, as we wrap up? Yeah, yeah. Um, again, just as it, as it was mentioned earlier, just seeing seeing the, the work of God in, uh, in his sovereignty in the migration of peoples, yes. not not seeing it, you know, seeing it as a as a as a nuisance, as a uh, just the aftermath of of uh, political situations around the world. And, oh man, I can't believe this is happening. Why there's so many people, you know, wanting to come over here, and you know, seeing it instead of seeing it from a political sociological standpoint, see it from a, a, a what is God doing? That's really uh, good. Migration of people, and 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 I think that will give us you know perspective. Um, you know, if, if we're seeing that the, the the growth of the the Muslim population is is you know is growing in in our in our nation, what does what does that mean in in a redemptive history 
standpoint. You know, what is God doing in moving those people? Um, I think of Acts 17, uh, 20 through 28, you know, that, that it is God who determined the, 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 the times and the, and the boundaries of people's dwe- dwelling places, yeah, right? Yeah. He is the one who is in control of where we live and when we live there. And, and, and his purpose, Paul tells us, is, is so that they can find him, right? Mm-hmm. Far from them. And so, you know, seeing migration from a, from a spiritual perspective, I think it's, is, 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 a, is key and is a, is a big takeaway. And, and of course, with that, knowing that the, the opportunities are abundant um, and that our paradigm of what missions is, you know, being this over here or over there, it's, it's, just, it's borderless and the, and the access is, is there and we've got opportunity. And, and, uh, and then also thinking further down the road, you know, I think of my own story. If 30 years ago, you know, the volunteers from Lighthouse Baptist Church, uh, you know, said, you know, we just don't trust these people or that this family's too needy or, you know, or I'm, I'm too or, or they're, they're Buddhist. They will never accept uh, this message of the gospel. You know, if they had that mindset that I don't know where I'd be today, man. Wow. And, and, and and what you know and and what I'd be doing and and I could still be lost and, and hopeless in in my sins, mm. you know, because David and Sandy Wood, man, our volunteers loved us, prayed mm. for us, shared the gospel with my parents, was persistent in that, you know, and 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 now thirty years later, you know, I'm, I'm serving the Lord and and uh, and uh, and so there, there's this ripple effect, and so when you see that that Kurdish person, when you see that that Pakistani person, you know, think. Think generationally, right? Yeah, that's right. What's God going to do in not only this person's life, but through this person? Mm-hmm. And that could be in Toronto, that could be here in the States, and that could also be back home. That's right. That's right. I told, uh, I told right. my friend that, you know, that I told you guys about earlier uh, from North Africa, he got saved. And you know, one of the first things he, he said is that, you know, this is what the people in my country need. You know, he talked, to, he was talking about their, their need and their poverty and, and just, and he said, they need Jesus. They need the message of Jesus. And I was like, man, I was like, I don't think it's an accident that God brought you here. And I think, you know, there's a possibility that God may be calling you to yeah. go take it back to them. Yeah. Right. And so like even casting that vision to them at the very start, you know, when they're first coming to Jesus, like, yeah, seeing like thinking beyond the first generation, like, cause it's much bigger than just, you know, the, the, the first person you reach, but God's got, you know, he's sovereign. He brings the nations yeah. here and he's got a plan that's much bigger than we could ever ask or imagine. Man, you know, I, just hearing Ty, hearing your story, man, I just, I keep thinking of this word steward. God has, God has positioned North America right now for such a time as this. And, and like, the question is, how are we going to steward it? That's right. How are we going to steward what, what all these nations coming to us, man, you know, and like some of us just need to, we need to correct our heart posture mm. and we just mm. need to look at our hearts and say, Hey, listen, why, why do I get in ner- Why do I get so scared? You know, if I see a group of, of people eating at the same restaurant, me and they're wearing turbans mm-hmm. or whatever, why, why, why would I not go and engage them with the gospel? Why would I, why would I want, have a feeling of, you know, turf protection or whatever it might be? If you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, Man, there's only one banner that's going to wave in his kingdom. Yeah. 
And so we we got to really examine our hearts and, and we got to ask ourselves, like, what are we really trying to build? Mm-hmm. What are we yeah. really trying to advance? Amen. And and I just I keep thinking of that word steward hearing hearing you talk, Ty, because, I mean, we're going to give an account for this stuff, man. Like yep. we're going to give an account for this stuff. We're going to we're going to be held accountable. Judge, for, judgment starts at God's house. That's right, man. man. And, I, and I'm it's coming to us, though, bro. Yep. It's coming to us right now, yep. especially the convention. I mean, Al Moore's right. article yesterday was gold. I mean, right. it's just it's coming to us. Yep. And and um, all these things, it's just we we get such a small time in this world. Mm-hmm. And do we really is that really what we want to be about? Yeah. Seeing our little vein of our tribe populate instead of the world for the glory of God. I just, I don't want to start preaching, but I'm mm-hmm. just, I just, I, I, this is heavy on my heart yep. because we, we live in a place that is so diverse and you see the hopelessness. And man, what you said, I, I know we're running along, but what you said about the socio, um, sociolo- sociological perspective, if we just bring it from that perspective, dude, that's what the nation of Canada has done. All these, we, we have all these immigrants coming in, all these refugees coming in and it's like, okay, let's get them jobs. Let's get them support. Let's get them landed on their feet. And the church, man, like we, the church here, we need to rise up and say, how can we take the gospel and how can we meet the needs mm-hmm. of yeah. these people? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, they, they need the gospel, man, just mm-hmm. like all of us do. So, yeah, man, Ty, this has been so good, bro. Thanks for coming, uh, bro. Man, I, I feel like we could talk for a couple more hours about this. Spent, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your story. What an incredible testimony uh, just of God's goodness and of God's power. And uh, I'm, I'm very encouraged by this. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that we really need to continue to put in front of our people. Uh, and, uh, man, like God has, uh, I think, orchestrated all of this. And, and I think, like Matt said, we got to be stewards of the opportunities mm-hmm. he's given us. So, man, I want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank all you guys for listening. Uh, today uh, to this week's podcast. Uh, make sure you guys head over to our website, www.getinthetrenches.com to listen to other episodes. And we need your help getting the word out as well. So if this uh, podcast has been beneficial at all to you, if it's been an encouragement, then do us a big favor, head over to iTunes or uh, Google Play or Stitcher and subscribe to the podcast and then give us a rating, uh, five-star ratings only, please, and leave a written review. And that'll really help uh, just increase the exposure of this podcast so that more planners can, uh, it can get into the hands of more planters and people on church planning teams. Uh, and again, I want to uh, apologize a little bit for the uh, the internet connection breakup today, but uh, I think that we definitely got the message across. So, yeah. uh, hey, we're going to be back with another episode next Monday. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planner. Mm-hmm.